yo, I'm Jamal. I'm Jeremy. And this is the Murder Mentality Podcast. Hey, Sco, before we get into it, man, let's let's just give the listeners a couple of things about us. Just tell them a little background because, you know, I know you crazy. I want you to let them know, you know, who you are and where you're coming from. Of course, the whole entire episode is going to let them know, but just tell them a couple of things about Sco. Wow, wow. Okay, so I'm Jeremy Murray. Hence, Murder Mentality Podcast. Shout out. 28 years old. Grew up on Slaughter Street, which this is the Slaughter Street Chronicles. I'm the youngest of three. Well, five, but I'm the youngest of three in the house. Um, my dad, that's who I, that's who they, everybody say I'm like. And fun fact, he told me I didn't want to do hard work, so that's what I did. I didn't do hard work. That's right. Okay, and just a couple things about me. I'm Jamal, a.k.a. King Maul. A.K.A. J. Ruler, A.K.A. Hustle Man in Tuscaloosa, and just like Skull, laid back, outspoken. On my downtime, of course, I like to play basketball. Don't drink, don't smoke. No social media at all. Never did social media. Never thought about a page. Just a couple things here and there. Okay, so I'm glad that you said that you don't have a social media. So that that leads to my first question: What is the reason why you decided to do this podcast since you have no social media? I feel like, honestly, I go by the motto, each one teach one. Also, the more the merrier. So, of course, I want to just share a couple of things, life lessons that I learned along the way, and just spread it to as many people as I can. Of course, I've been doing this in my small circle of family and friends my entire life, and I just want to show more people my point of view and how I dissect situations and the way I simplify things. As far as the social media goes, I just feel like this is not like social media, of course, because we're controlling the narrative, and I just feel like social media is more of a distraction and can alter your mood, and I'm, I'm not about giving someone power over me, especially when it's not face-to-face, and of course, Slaughter Street taught me to be face-to-face. Understood, understood. Yes, sir. Skull, I just want to ask you, what from Slaughter Street made you into the man you are today? Well, I have to say the competition every day being the youngest of three children in the house and being the youngest outside of the house for a long time i always had to like kind of earn my way into whatever was going on i know you had to earn your stripes yeah i just couldn't go out there and and just and play with everybody because i was the smallest and the youngest so i say that being the being the smallest and the youngest giving me that competitive edge because I guess you can call it little man syndrome or whatever. Having that having that complex and having that competitive edge also taught me how to be the smartest. And now that's what I like to pride myself on. That's what I always like to think. I may not be the most athletic, the fastest or whatever, the strongest in any situation, but I always know I can win with my mind. So I think that's what growing up on Slaughter Street gave me the ability to win with my mind in situations where maybe I'm out muscled or however you want to put it. Look, I was listening to a great philosopher. Um, I don't want to misquote his name, but he did say the greatest war is won by your mind. It's a mind war. He said you can be the strongest, the fastest, all of those things. But like you said, it's your mind in the end that's going to get you there. What from Slaughter Street made you the man you are today? Kind of same thing that you said, always wanting to win at everything. I told myself, I think I was about six or seven, so I told myself growing up, I said, I'll never let no one my age beat me in basketball. 
And it just was, Slaughter Street was so competitive that I had the mindset long before I heard of this great philosopher, but he made a quote. He said, if I lose, you get the blues. And that one now is by old Booster the Great. <laughs> Booster the Great. <laughs> <laughs> hey, notice I didn't want to say bad. <laughs> hey, Booster the Great. And honestly, that competitive drive stayed with me and everything I do in life. I want to win everything and just want to be successful and be the best that I can be. I live by the mindset of, if another man can do it, then of course I can do it. And that helps me get, you know, over any fear that may possibly come in my head or any doubt. Okay, I do want to give the people, and of course I can help you coming on this one. Um, let's give them a normal day on Slaughter Street. Like we're 10, 12, you wake up, it's a summer day. You wake up, what's the normal day when you walk out the house? Well, I I can tell you what I did. I walk out the house and I walk to your house. <laughs> and I walk in. I don't knock. I don't do nothing. I just walk in. If you ain't there, I walk out and I probably probably can find you. Mm. But if that's the if that's the case, you know, if that's not the case, I walk out, walk maybe walk across the street. <laughs> walk across the street, find our boy Bug. Hopefully we can get him on here one day. Right. Uh walk across the street, find Bug and then we we on to our duties or whatever, and it's probably gonna we'll probably end up with you playing basketball or something, football, whatever the case may be out there. Which I don't I don't remember you playing football much, but I know I know you played with it from time to time. All right, let 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 me let me back let me back that up and tell you what I remember <laughs> for a normal day on Slaughter Street. First, I did play football all the time on Slaughter Street. I just didn't play. Pee-wee football and school football, but without the pads, I'm now. Ask your boy Bug about that, how I hurt him that day. I'm now. And um, like you said, playing football, basketball, of course, fighting because someone then got mad or, you know, I hit them too hard and they scared to fight me. They go get their big cousin, their big brother. And then another thing I always think of is how my big brother always wanted to wrestle every day. Like when he got off that bus from school, he ran in the house, dropped this book bag, and try to pick me up like I was his book bag. And so um, he did that probably from seven all the way to 13. I got a little big, got a little weight on me, a little muscle too, a little cut or two. And ever since then, no one been able to slam me. You can quote me on that. That's just a typical day. Or let me speak, let me back up and talk more so about the mindset on when I walked out the house. I always had my shoes scrapped up real tight because I never knew who was going to try me on that day. And that was just the mindset. You had to prove yourself every day, all day, every day. It was like if you was weak, you would beat, especially on Slaughter. That's why the guys from our back street, Nebo, they came and they get flushed out and they'll try again two, three weeks to be friends. Because, you know, that Slaughter Street was a real, <laughs> real mean place to be at that <laughs> age. And what you say, now, nowadays, what they call it, bullying? <laughs> yeah, man, yeah, yeah. That's it, it's bullying. That's what I, I look, man. I, I was being bullied, but it's okay. <laughs> that was everyday life, it's for okay. Us. So, it was hey, if, if they let you do it, then we looked at it like you deserved it. But, of course, now with everything being so sensitive, our mindset totally changed, but. You know, just growing up, just just trying to paint the picture of how we looked at things growing up. Well, can I piggyback on that? Do you? Uh, okay, this this that's that's good that you said that because my mentality was always 
was always go out the house and you're going to win. You got to. Like, I always had to figure out a way to win whatever I was doing. And you always have to be the aggressor. If you, if you, and that's, that's something to take out. That's something to take throughout your day. You gotta, you gotta attack the day. Cause if you, look, if you go out with the mentality that you're defeated already, you might as well cancel that day. And what were your dreams and aspirations growing up? Well, I remember when I was playing Little League Baseball, I used to, um, every game, and we was bad this year. And this was the year me and Hawk was on the same team. Hopefully we can get him on here too. Shout out to my boy. But um, we was bad this year, and I used to get in the truck because I never would ride on the back of the truck. I would always get on the inside of the truck. I was bougie, I guess. But I was getting the. I was just about to say, boy, I had a joke for you, but I, I'm not even gonna say I that. I would get in the truck. I would get in the truck with the coach, and I would just be talking about the game, and I would always talk about the game. And he called me radio, or whatever, because I was always talking about what we was and weren't doing right. <laughs> so, I guess from that from that standpoint, my aspirations were always to do something in sports, whether I played or not, or whatever. So. I ended up. Hold on, hold on, Scott. Who 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 called you radio? Uh, I want to say I want to say it was Lorenzo Weston. That was our baseball coach. Was this before or after the movie? Man, nah, they were. I don't know. I don't know. But, <laughs> Somebody called my little nah, cousin radio. Nah, he was. Nah, he wasn't calling me. He was calling me retarded. He was calling me radio because I was always talking. Because you know, you know, I was the furthest from retarded. I had some right, retarded right, teammates right. on that team, but right. I ain't gonna get into that. that man, so I ain't gonna get into the radio. that. All right, man, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I couldn't get past that radio. Yeah, I had some retarded teammates, but we ain't gonna talk about them. This ain't even about them. But yeah. Look, and, Lo- and Lorenzo, but we ain't gonna talk about him either. But go ahead. <laughs> From that standpoint, man, you crazy. From that standpoint, I knew I wanted to be some type of sports person, like I was saying, in sports, but I love writing, so put two and two together. I, I always wanted to be a journalist after that because I always, like me and you, I talk to you about the game all the time. You know your nickname. Whether you watch it or not. Steven Scott Smith. Whether you watch it or not. <laughs> nah, man. But I always like to talk about the game and stuff. So I went to school for journalism right, and right. that's what I aspired to be. Right, right. And I guess right. this is some form of that. So yeah, that was my dreams and aspirations growing up. And so what was you about? Nine, ten? Uh we were still I know we were still at Goodwater Elementary School. Shout out to the yellow jackets. So we were we were probably ten or eleven. Okay. Because the next time we played, it was a gap. Next time we played, which this when I got on the super team and we won all our games, mm. and that's when Hawk was crying. So, but um, so, so you, you said it was a gap. So you was about what thirteen, still playing against ten? Yeah, twelve. <laughs> no, and I wasn't playing with people that was ten. Now I'm saying it was a, it was a gap between the next time. I guess they had a lead. You know how good water is, man. Right, right, right. No, understood. <laughs> but um, so yeah, so yeah, so. Cause I was at, we was at Central Middle School the next time we played. Oh wow! So yeah, I was probably twelve the next time we played. So I had to be ten. Got you. Ten, eleven. And no, just speaking about Goodwater School, just made me think of something of just how much we was a community. Um, you know how we were a family. It just felt like the teachers cared. 
you know, like we would get a paddling the principal you know mr graham here talk to us now you know your family didn't raise you like that boy like and it just it really showed how much he cared you know we went to the middle school or when we combined schools just a little background on that we come from an all-black school and we went to a county school where it had another all-white school and two mixed schools combined and it just felt like we just lost that family aspect and just felt like people didn't care about us as much and so that was another big thing growing up how did you transition through that or did you feel the same thing well yeah but you know it actually was cool after a while right you know because my homeroom teacher my male teacher when i got over there was coach freeman oh jeremy and like we, we yeah, man. You know, we had a we had a rough start, but like it was like he 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 knew the buttons to push. I put it that way. I guess that's why he was a, that's why he's a good coach in his own right, you know. So he knew the buttons to push. So he knew when I wasn't like in class doing what the, what I was supposed to do. So he knew the buttons to push. And I never forget, man. And this when I realized that I had a teacher that actually cared in this sense was some of them probably didn't, but I knew I had a teacher that cared over there when I was tripping and I act like I didn't want to do what I was supposed to do. This man didn't let me go to PE, bro. I had to, <laughs> I had to, I could go to PE, man, and I had to, um, I had to finish my test or finish whatever it was I was doing. Mm. And he wouldn't let me go to PE until I finished it. And I was like, man, this dude really, this dude really care. And then, separate go back to go to my seventh grade year which my first year with him was my sixth grade year seventh grade year he used to give me all the stats of of your game <laughs> so like that's like that was that was that was it because you had left us in middle school and went to high school and you were playing and he used to tell me about how you played and how you had a great floor game and how you got in and you did this and did that yeah. so he was that's the one teacher from the middle school that i took with me and so i guess but outside of that, you know, it was different because I'm I was around people that I wasn't the some I was around the kind of people that I wasn't used to being around. And right. you kinda could tell how they felt about themselves and how they felt about us as right. far as that go. But it all it all got it all got better. Right, right. But I wanna um I wanna comment on one of the things you said because here you are, you say you're in seventh grade, so what you're in? 12, 13, and a teacher didn't let you go to PE. You were sixth grade then. Okay, 11 or 12, and a teacher didn't let you go to PE, but you were mature enough to take it as if, hey, this teacher really care about me. It's just, you know, the normal sixth, seventh, what, eighth grade even would think, he he don't care, they would actually think the opposite. He doesn't care about me. Well, you know, I was hot now. I was hot about it. I'm just trying to understand how you got, but I which is with us being grown. But I understood. I understand completely now. But at that age, I'm just kind of amazed that you got that he care about you out of that. Because all I see is me just, just want to throw something at him. Like, <laughs> like I don't see me getting. Oh, he really care about me? No, he don't care about me. If he cared, I'd be out there. Well, you know, at the end of the day, and and I really understood that he. I really understood how much he cared when. When we started, when I started playing for him or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's like that, like so, I traced that all the way back to when we went, when I was in sixth grade, and he was my teacher. And when I got up there, how he used to like try to get coach to put me in the game or whatever, right. and how when I played for his B team, how he put, he gave me the keys 
Like he really, he really believed in me. I, I don't know why, but you know, I appreciate it. Yeah, he did the same thing for me in the in the ninth grade when I was coming off the bench um, on varsity. He used to do the same thing, get me put in the game. Hey, coach, put Mary in, and I never forget. We were walking to a practice, and he said, "Hey, Mary, do you think you're gonna be better than your cousin Shara?" And of course, you know me. I'm gonna be better than everybody. I'm gonna be the best player y'all ever seen come through him. Of course, I'm gonna be better than Cud. Even though, you know, we looked at him like a superhero. But, you know, I looked at myself like a superhero as well. So, that's one of the things that I remember most when we were walking down. He asked me, You think you're gonna be better than him? Okay, speaking of Sarah, man, I know that he was an inspiration to us and he drove us to do certain things by watching him do what he was doing. For sure. I think. I also had another type of inspiration from being the youngest child in my house. So I'm going to ask you, what was it like being the youngest in your house? And did it drive you, I guess, in a similar way that being in the house with older siblings? Did it drive you in a similar way? Oh, most definitely. You know, being a little brother always going to drive you to be better than the big brother because he, he sets the bar. You know, your big brother sets the bar. With mine, Fred, three years older than me, so I was already at a huge disadvantage. By the time I'm eight, he's 11. By the time I'm 10, he's 13. You can't tell him nothing. And I just remember it was so comparative growing up because here I am, six or seven, and he just dominated me in basketball. Of course, because he's bigger, but he's making me feel even smaller than I am by talking crazy to me. And I remember the first time I beat him in basketball, and he actually beat me up. He jumped on me, but whatever, he jumped on me. And I say, hey, man, get him off me. He was so scared. He, he was just looking. I said, man, get him off me. And look, I feel like I'm the one scarring for life. After I beat him, he stopped playing. But no, I had to go the hardest because I'm the smallest. But I also remember being about six or seven. I never forget this. And my sister said, Jamal don't care who you is. He ain't scared of nobody. And that was just one of the things. It was like I was born to not be scared of anybody, no matter what size. Hey, I actually bust my head, Sco. I bust my head with Brandell on the concrete. Oh, yeah, bro, 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 put you down. <laughs> he, no, no. So what happened, remember, I wanted to be great at basketball, and I'm about five or six. We just get some concrete poured, which we didn't supposed to get poured. It was supposed to be poured for the car garage. But you remember Tank was out there, hey, bring it on over him. Bring it to our basketball court. <laughs> and so uh, I remember Brandell was the same thing like Fred. He was dominating us because he was 10 times bigger, it felt, it felt like. <laughs> and so when he he was just dribbling the ball, Scope, I was so mad that we couldn't stop him. I just took off running and tried to gold bird him. Wow. And I hit him and bounced right off and bust my head. <laughs> he didn't do nothing wrong. <laughs> and so I got that from, like you said, just being so competitive with just wanting to win and just being small and just wanting to, you know, just be my best. And so, yeah, it most definitely taught me a lot. And also watching and learning from their mistakes helped me a lot. I didn't have to bump my head as much because I watched them bump their head consistently. So it also taught me what not to do. Uh, I guess that's my biggest thing, my biggest takeaway from, because they weighed, my, my siblings way older than me. But I mean, nevertheless, it was tricky because I mean, obviously thank, thank God that I had you and I had other friends. Right. But it was like, bruh, 
brother's nine years older than me. So when he left the house, I was nine, and hey. I kind of was shook because he re- he really when he graduated, he never moved, he never stayed with mom and him again. Had to give him his props right, for that. Right. I had to give him I had to give him credit for that every time. Like he left, he said he leaving, he left, and he never stayed with us again. When he left, it was like a shock to me because I'm like, dang, he had, he really gone. I'm used to him getting me up, taking me to school, whatever. Right. Like he was there every day. Now I'm actually having to do a lot of this stuff on my own, and it was kind of a shock. But from being around him still, even though he was nine years older than me, because he never did tell me I couldn't be around or whatever. I guess he was kind of proud of me being his little brother as brilliant as I used to think I was then. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. They used to try to show me off, show that I knew certain stuff and all that, but at the end of the day, watching what they were doing when I was around, it was like, okay, I can do this, but I won't do this. I do this, but I won't do this. And now, it's like it's helped me out, even with even with my um with my my child now, them having their children and me being around, it kind of prepared me for this. Right. And I I I mean I appreciate it. Like they drove me in more ways than they would ever know that they drove me. But and I'm here, so that's that's the great part about it. Let me ask you another question. Something I think about often, and I answer it myself whenever I ask, you know, whenever I just think or just try to check myself sometimes, just make sure I'm still sharp and still being, you know, a thousand with myself first and foremost. One of the questions that is raised in the black community is if you care about the community, why did you better yourself and up and leave? Well, I guess, I guess the the answer is in that question. Talk to me. Like, I bettered myself I, I went to better myself to better the community. Okay. So if I don't ever step out outside of the community and go and learn something else, see other things and other ways. Better ways of life. We'll still be sitting here stuck in the same situation doing something that we think is right, but we're not progressing. This is the poisonous phrase, the most poisonous phrase in, in life. I won't even say in the black community, but we've always done it this way. <laughs> and now uh, that ain't, you know, that ain't, that ain't always good. Yeah. And so you leave to better yourself so you can go back and I can go back and help Aaliyah. I can go back and help Malaysia. I can go back and help Braylon. Go back and help Darion. Go back and help Police. And even in, in, in the, and Travion and, my my, I, it's so it's so many you know it's so many people, but you can go back and show them different stuff. But if I don't leave, we know just about the same thing, and they way younger than me, and that's the problem. Yeah, and we'll see the exact same thing. Exactly, this is the biggest thing with me about leaving the community. I realized I wanted to leave when I don't know how old I was, but it was the first time I ever went to stay, and we Tumka with Aunt Joyce and Uncle Danny and Lindsay and Art. And the thing was, it was it was crazy how how that how that summer went because we fell out. We didn't talk to each other for the rest of the summer. But are you talking about we? You talking me about me and you? Me and Sco. Me and Sco fell out, and we. Oh well, I can tell you how old you were then. You was about twelve or thirteen. Okay, so we fell out. Me and Sco <laughs> fell out. We fell out <laughs> over some over some weird, but it's okay. I don't even remember. But I remember what you're talking about. Yeah, but we didn't we didn't talk for the whole summer or for the rest of the summer. But the thing was, when I got there, like it was different than it was obviously different than good water, and it was so peaceful. I didn't have to go outside and fight every day. 
I didn't have to like I didn't have to like worry about oh I whooped such and such yesterday or we got into a fight yesterday I didn't have to worry about it we was gonna have to do it again like cause and that's the thing man I, I don't think I don't think people understand this and I don't think this talked about enough but peace is underrated cause I see a lot of people that's really about confrontation they just have to complain about everything it's always something wrong <laughs> but look at the end of the day man peace is the best thing and when I got there and it was so, it was so peaceful and and I was like, man. So it changed your whole outlook on. Yeah, it changed my whole outlook, and Understood. I was willing to. I actually asked my mother to let me move in with them and go to school with them. This guy tried to leave me. Nah, I ain't try to leave wow. you, man. It just was, man. It was just different. So I want to ask you the same questions, go. When did you realize you wanted to leave? Honestly, I never felt. I never felt like it was meant for me to be there. Like, my body was there for 18 years, but my mind was never there. Nothing like, you know, what you guys be stunned on me about, about the guy quit basketball now. But it was, like, the whole time I was there, I was just thinking about my future. I was thinking about leaving there. I was thinking about what I'm going to do soon as I turn 18. And I remember, just like you, I had a trip that really changed my outlook and really just you know, just made me feel like, okay, you're on the right path for trying to think beyond this because my mind was at peace. It was actually when I was 15 and I went and stayed with Sherrod. So I went to stay with him for a month and I stayed in Nashville. We were in the city. Look, I'm 15. You know, he wild. He used to take me downtown. I couldn't get in no bars. I just used to walk around and, and he would work to about six o'clock every day. And I was just sitting there and sleep all day. And then I woke up, we'll go hoop. But my mind, like you said, was totally at peace. I didn't have to worry about nobody trying me. I didn't have to worry about my shoes being tied besides when I was hooping. And just, I felt like the air was just better there. Like the air was better. I could think more clear. Like just everything was like better um, all around. Just a better way of life. And so when I came back home, I was like, yep, I'm on it. This is what I got to do to get away. And I actually, I wanted to move to Nashville growing up. I just felt like it was a big country city. And of course, we're from the country. So I was like, this would be a perfect fit. I can get the city. And it got that small feel to it, that um, down south country to it. And yeah, that's that's when I, but I honestly just think about it. When I realized I wanted to leave, when I was about five. Wow. That was it. When I was a kindergarten, like, I just knew, hey, this is not the place for me, period. Yeah, man, because so. like I said, like I said before, man, peace is underrated. I think people look at, look at all the, look at all, look at all the stuff you have and look at money and material things and they don't understand that the best thing you probably can have is peace. Right, most definitely. Now, at the end of the day, money can help you be more peaceful. But peace is the most important thing. And that's that's one thing that I've learned even going to Troy and the fact that I could get up, go to class, go eat. I maintain the schedule, obviously. Right. Go hoop. And I could do all of this like whenever I got ready outside of class. But it's like, okay, I had access to all of that and I had peace. Right. And it's like, this is this is a world away from Goodwater, Alabama, right. Slaughter Street. Well, how we grew up. So it's like, so it's like, man, do you really want to go and live like that again? Go back to that. That's why I felt it was so important to go to 
have our first episode just talking about how it was our mindset just growing up on Slaughter Street because of course it made us into the great men we are today but just looking back and living through it we were far from you know where we are today but we had something in us and we had the right people around to basically grow us into the great men we are today and so with that right, being right. said my last question i'm gonna ask you is what is one thing that you feel like slaughter street did not teach you basically life later on taught you um but slaughter street didn't teach you how to do this or you know things of that nature well it just was you know everything everything kind of was a fight at the end of the day it's like you you get older and you realize man like that that wasn't even worth it mm. and i think me and you had a conversation one time and you was like we didn't even realize that a lot of stuff we was doing we was risking our whole future for sure no i didn't and you you're not even thinking about it like that you just out here doing crazy stuff and like i said thinking that you have to thinking that kind of thinking that you have to be bad because like i said i attacked the day but me attacking the day then was different than me attacking the day now right like i'm i'm attacking the day as if i'm not getting whooped today then <laughs> now and now i'm attacking the day as if i'm not gonna get whooped but this whooping is a different type of whooping than that whooping was and so it's like you don't like now like i said peace man walking outside and you can like you said the air is different Right. You have a different attitude. Like I used, like I used to go to, I used to go to school every day, listen to that great philosopher you was talking about earlier, <laughs> Boosie Boo. And he and and obviously music, <laughs> obviously music is a powerful thing. I used to go to school with 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 a Boosie mindset. Oh man, I remember I took you to school that day and we were playing that Boosie. You really got the fire. <laughs> yeah, man. So <laughs> come on, man. Come on. But seriously, like, hey, you you spoke on it, hey. <laughs> seriously though, seriously. So, like the fact that I would be with that mindset, like I wish, I wish a Negro would today. Yeah, like, you nah. my own edge that day, boy. Yeah, you don't have to live like that, man. Like that's one thing, and like it's different now, but you kind of see it, like it see it the same way. Like people just want problems, or maybe they feel like they could have done better, and but it's always time. I would like to say that. The hurt people, hurt people. Oh yeah, yeah. But look, man, we can go on and talk about this all day. And so now you guys know a little bit about where it all started, how us knuckleheads grew up. So keep listening because it only gets better. And we'll holler at you guys on the next episode. Peace. One. Hey, Skull, when we go home, you know, we always kick it with the game. We always stun on everybody, always telling jokes, being silly, just being us. But I wonder if they know the real side of us. I don't know. That was just something I was thinking about. Thinking about. Thinking about. Hi, my name is Kevin Hawkins, and I'm going to speak upon Jamal and Jeremy podcast. Uh, 
what it was like growing up with them, man, that's that, that's just really unexplainable, man. If, if you ever met two guys that were smart and intelligent and goofy at the same time, those would be the guys that you wanna. Those are the guys you'll be wanna meet. Um, how did they help me out in life, man? They they keep me focused. They 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 tell me the truth all the time. They let me know when I'm wrong. You know, if you if you got friends and homeboys, and they can't tell you when you're wrong, then they're not really your friends. Uh, one word to describe them both, man. Oh man, one word, nigga. These guys here, man, they're amazing to me, man. I mean, outstanding guys, man. And um, why did I choose that word, man? Because, man, these these guys, they they smart, man. They Man, they funny, man. They, 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 they have old souls. They've been, they was grown when we was teenagers. So now that they outlook on life is so mature, man. I'm, I'm just saying, you, you have to just chill with them. And um, they influenced my life, man. I, man, at a young age, man. College, man. They got families. Um, man, they, they living nice. And um, they, they still keep me around. They still influence me to do better and better every day that I see them. They're very influencing to everybody. They always have spoke their mind. They are, I mean, like, if, if you think because they your homeboy, they gonna, they gonna take your side, then uh, these not the guys you want to talk to because these guys are straightforward in life. And um, the reason why you should listen to their podcast is because I feel like this world now is misled because of all the fluke stuff that go on in life. And these guys here, they point out the fluke stuff in life for you to have a different look on on life. So I ask you guys to please uh, listen to their podcast, man. I promise you that you will love love those guys and you will learn something from them. One more thing for the podcast.